Hi everyone, I'm Sinhara and welcome to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. This show is for all women, but is specifically dedicated to black women because we have a problem with opening up when it comes to this issue. And I don't want to leave out the men. You guys are welcome here too. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Dahali, an actress, writer, and comedian who created a show about not getting pregnant. Love. You finally meet someone, okay, you're like, you know, this is love, I want to move forward, and, you know, let's get married, let's have a baby, let's have all those things. And then it's not working. Yes. So at what point do you start fertility treatment? And at what point in this process do you focus on writing your show? Love these questions. First, I will say, I think we get very, I went to, I'll say this. I feel like we both get, the women of the world get like very strong signals. Yes. You know, initially it's like, close your legs. Yeah. And then it's like, go, find that man, find exactly. that baby, go, go. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's just like, uh, you just feel like you're like a schizophrenic out there. And yeah. not that, you know, we have, yeah. yeah, but it just, you feel it's very, confusing. Yeah. very confused. You feel very confused. You have all these voices in your mm-hmm. head. And for me, I really kind of resisted mm-hmm. that because I felt like it was very fear-based talk. Yeah. And I was saying to you, you know, I had friends who wanted to be mothers regardless of whether or not they had a partner. Yeah. And I was not that person. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I really only want to do this if I have a partner. Have someone, yeah. But I also, you know, I felt I met my husband late in my 30s mm-hmm. and I really also wanted to enjoy this person. Mm-hmm. You know, I had never lived with someone before yeah. and we wanted to have like a fun honeymoon and travel. Exactly. Enjoy your life. Yeah. <laughs> and I had friends as soon as they heard that I had a, like a whip of yeah. a minute, like, it seems serious. They were like, you need to go in and get these fertility treatments. You need to get tested. You need to get him tested. I'm like, you're like, give me it like we just got married. <laughs> this, they were asking me to do this even before we got married. You I know cannot. what I mean? Like while we're still in the dating stage, I'm like, I don't think I can. And my husband's younger than me. And so yeah. I was like, I don't feel like I could just be like, uh, this is what only, we're going to do. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. Before even the ring, I need you to come into this clinic with me and get tested. Right now. Right now. And Loki, I didn't even really want to do it myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just wanted to enjoy that time. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so, so so the best we did was like, we're not going to use protection. Yeah. As soon as we just get gonna married. We're going to see what happens. We're yeah. going to see what happens. We're, mm-hmm. As soon as we get married, like, all caution to the wind yeah, we're and good. that's happening. <laughs> and so after a year of throwing all caution to the wind and I was like, huh, what's happening here? Nothing is happening. Yeah. Here. Okay. Well, maybe I should yeah. see what's up. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like we're very indoctrinated with this IVF thing. Like they, like yeah. people who don't know, even know how the human body works or mm-hmm. how the female body works are like IVF. That's what you yeah. have to do. Did you try it yet? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I also got got, and I just immediately went to a clinic and was like, sign me up for this. Yeah. And that was in 2020. So 
so we got married in 2018 mm-hmm. in March. And then by March of 2020, <laughs> I was already like, let's try to figure let's this out. Let's do this right now. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like we spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And then it did not work out well for me. I yeah. was a person, some women, I think you, we talked about you being the opposite of me. Yeah, where I have like multiple, multiple eggs, but doesn't necessarily mean on your own, you're going to get pregnant because I still right. do fertility treatments. Exactly. And there are some women like me who, because it's all, you know, IVF, all these things are hormones. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I have this kind of delicate ecosystem that if I get too many hormones, it kind of like fries my system. Yeah. And I'll have like enough, no eggs. Like Mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of follicles and they'll be like, you're doing too much. We're out. My system overload. System (laughs) overload. And so he, that first round, I was not able to, I got, he was able to, of the 10 follicles he had seen, Mm -hmm. um, and 10, you know, for anyone who's listening, follicles are where, you know, the the sac that houses the egg, Mm -hmm. and that could be a potential and when you do IVF, they want to see more. They want to yeah. promote more follicle growth. Mm-hmm. So they, so ten. You may start with ten and have more. In my yeah. case, I kept losing them, and then I had. But that also brought to my awareness. I was like, why don't I know? Yeah, why don't about I know about this? Yeah. Why don't I know about these things? I know about the body and all the things that we don't learn until we're in that situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, just to answer. <laughs> So I we did we did two years of lots of rounds, lots of different treatments, and I was really very by 2022. I was really kind of like I think yeah I had yeah I had about I had done I had gone through several journeys. I went that 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 IVF situation made me realize I needed to do more research and I yeah. started I changed my diet started mm-hmm. doing different things learned about herbs mm-hmm. learned about different situations and so I was doing acupuncture doing yes. um, fertility mm-hmm. so I, I I went in a different direction mm-hmm. and then I tried IVF then yeah. the following year and was able to get two embryos that went to blastocysts yeah. so I saw that you could have an effective change mm-hmm. They didn't test the genetic testing. They did a d- genetic testing and it mm-hmm. was, they didn't feel that they were right for okay. implantation. Okay. And so after all these rounds that didn't go well, I, and multiple friends having babies around me. Yeah, that's the hard part. Yeah. I was just like, I have to figure my way out. And so yeah. I just, just did a, a show with just some friends. I rented a theater for like $20 an hour mm-hmm. and it was not even a show really. It was just like me talking about my journey and yeah. there were tears. And I was like, is there, would anyone find this useful if I tried to make a show out of it? Mm-hmm. And I really got a lot of support to continue it. Birthing a show. So from that experience, so you go through the live, you have thing, you, you are frustrated. I'm done. I'm just going to get out there and talk about this. You do, I guess, more of a private show for your friends. And then how does it evolve to the next step where you have like a full house, a full theater of people? 
Yes. <laughs> and shout out to K3 who even connected us. Yeah, she shared her profile with me a couple months ago. I was like, as soon as I start back up, I'm going to call her. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's that's the love. Well, so, you know, as I said to you, I was doing stand-up, but mm-hmm. I felt like this material was going to be very challenging yeah. at a comedy club. Mm-hmm. And I had done little excerpts of the show like at instant like stand-up spaces at for with people like you know with strangers and Mm -hmm. it's not it it worked but it also was like there's nothing like doing a show for like 20 in front of a bunch of like like 20 somethings who just want to hear jokes about dating and like like, like, i'm trying to have a baby It was very like, uh, and their mind has checked out already. They're like, yeah. what? <laughs> exactly. And so that that's why I think I had to rent this the space, the theater mm. space, and invite people to come and see it. Okay. So I did like maybe two or three of these shows, and I kind of did it like a, a workshopping a play, mm. you know, where I would just invite people and work work on it myself, yeah. tweak it, and I would mm. record every one of them so I could watch it, see what works, see what didn't. Okay. And then and then I decided to just rent a really for me, it felt like a lot to yeah. undersee theater. That's a big deal to do that I, on your own and to get people there. <laughs> yeah. And I really didn't, I was really su- like surprised that it was full because yeah. the theater has two aisles and you can close off the curtains. And okay. so you can only, like, so you can fill out just the center. Yeah. And I was like, that's what's going to be happening. And then when I you weren't out, thinking big enough, you weren't thinking. I big wasn't. Enough. <laughs> I was not. And I even even now I'm like, no one's coming like, for yeah. the second show. I'm doing it in December because I was like, people are just so tired after Thanksgiving. They got to go into the holidays. What am I doing doing a show at the top of December? But I need this show isn't just like oh I'm here for industry or whatever. Yeah. It was self-care for me yeah and it's a birth thing like you're birthing a baby this is your baby this is what you're delivering to not just for yourself to heal but to other people who are there who are connecting with the work who understand what this process is like and so what was the response from people who came uh, for the big show where they just like oh i didn't know you were going through this because a lot of time we don't talk about it or was it just, you know, this is amazing when it's the next one? What did they say? First of all, we do have to talk about your web series because <laughs> I loved how you had those people just being fully candid about how they felt about the, that. And I, yeah. I love that you were doing that. I feel like the people on my end were generally very supportive. Yeah. So I think... I had a hard time promoting the show. Let's just okay. say that. Yeah. Because I was being very cagey about mm-hmm. what the show was. Yeah. My promotional material was my face superimposed on Beyonce's. Uh, um, I saw it and I loved it. <laughs> Beyonce's uh, 2017 birth announcement. And I got people like, oh my God, you're pregnant. And I'm like, 
Um, guys, like, there's did a you, did you read? Address. Did you read the, the thing under the picture? <laughs> Do you think I'm gonna give birth on Sunday at 7:30 at Dynasty exactly. Theater? Is that what's happening? Um, I was like, also, this is not what I would do to announce my birth announcement exactly. with my face on another woman's body. <laughs> so that was first having those kinds of feelings. Yeah. And then also there was also some questions like, oh, is the end game of the sh- of this show to be- announce your birth, you know? And yeah. I was like, huh, didn't think that that, they're like, no spoilers, but let yeah. me know. And it was like, Okay. Like, like, no, this is, this is, this is, this is good enough. (laughs) Yes. And so I had to be really more explicit. Like this is about the journey to trying to get pregnant. This is talking about infertility candidly. Yeah. And I had to say the word infertility, not being able to get pregnant, not pregnancy. And I hated it because I felt like every time I had to say it explicitly, I was somehow making it happen for myself because I was still in the process of wanting it. Yeah. So I was like, if I say it, am I like saying that I'm going to be this? Like I'm infertile period. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was very challenging, but the response people felt really seen. And the show is also for people who don't even want children. It's really because it's just about also society's expectations. Mm -hmm. I mean, I make a joke about, getting more congratulations for getting married <laughs> yeah. than for any professional achievement that I had in my life. It's like, you know? really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, I followed my dreams. I got to be on TV. I got yeah. to be on film, but yeah. it's like, you got a man. And that's, yeah. that's, that's you made it sense. And so I just wanted to show for those women out there, like you are whole, you are yeah. somebody mm-hmm. without the baby, without the partner, exactly. you know, if you are pursuing your joy. Tips and advice. What advice, having gone through this whole process, because everyone doesn't have the ending they thought they would have yet. You know, yes. people go through different paths. Some people may do IVF. Some people may adopt. It's not always, or choose not to have children. And yes. they're fine with that. It's not always the way you thought, or even coming up as a little girl, you thought things were going to be. So how do you pivot from that? And like, what advice do you give to other women, to other couples who are going through this and to let them know that either way, it's okay. You're still a whole person. Yes. I think it's okay to grieve. And I, th- my best friend told me that, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that she had, she has, lo- she had lost her parents very early and she was like sometimes. Wow. And so I think people who've had experienced big losses like that mm-hmm. really are very wise because mm-hmm. they have um, experienced things that have really made them develop as people. Mm. And I also feel that these challenges have actually helped me. I Mm -hmm. I don't always think I was the most, like, you know, I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. I was very sheltered. Mm -hmm. I didn't really think a lot about people. My world was very self, Mm. you know, and each time that I had to expand beyond myself, 
partnering, living with someone, having, you know, yeah. a husband, even before him, I got a dog, <laughs> you know, just learning to like expand my capabilities in terms of caring for people. Mm-hmm. And even in this process of having mm-hmm. it not work out for myself, it's made me, I think, a more empathetic person. I don't, I realize like there are a lot of things that I may have said that were very off comments. Yeah, like, to other people. What's baby? Are you pregnant? But yeah. and in a kind of vacuum of not kind yeah. of getting it and having these losses has made me much more sensitive to people. Yeah. I re- and I've even recognized that, you know, we, I'm a heterosexual woman, but yeah. there are people who, you know, are queer that mm-hmm. also want to be parents yeah. and there's a supposition who are mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. and sometimes they feel left out or they're not mm-hmm. a part of that community. Yeah. So it's made me much more expansive. Mm-hmm. And so I would say anyone who is struggling right now, even though you probably can't appreciate it in the moment, because yeah. sometimes <laughs> I don't appreciate it's it. Hard. <laughs> that there are some benefits from it. Yeah. You know? And I'm a, yeah, go ahead. Cult- culturally, because you mentioned, I think you have one parent is Haitian, one parent is Jamaican. What do they, did they ever say anything to you once you got married? Like when's the baby coming or right. where did you feel pressure on that end yes, um, about right. trying to be a parent? And like, how did you deal with that? That's such a great question. Yeah. My parents are anomalies. Uh, they came from very big families mm-hmm. and they really prioritized my happiness. Mm-hmm. I think they were very happy that I found a partner and I think they would love to be grandparents, yeah. but that was never there. They're also very active. And okay. so that was, <laughs> but they're busy and they, they travel a lot. They've made yeah. me travel a lot mm-hmm. in terms of like, and so, and they also had one child just so that they could like live could their live lives. Their lives. <laughs> and so now <laughs> they're like, huh, I think if I told them I didn't want any, they would be supportive, but they know that I want it and they I'm, want that for me too. Yeah. My husband is Filipino Mm. and he comes from a very large family. And I have like a lot of, Mm. I have um, all of, I had two sister-in-laws that Mm. were pregnant and one who just had a baby and then a baby right after, like back to back. So that was very challenging. And I felt from his family, from his extended family and from my extended family, Mm. some like what's happening, you know, less so from my extended family because they were like, they had already written me off at this point. <laughs> and I think from his extended family, they didn't really know how old I was. Oh and so they were just you like, you're married. You should have a child. <laughs> and, uh, and it's challenging too, because, you know, he's the oldest. So I started feeling like, you know, like I want, like, a, and so for, in their culture, which is very similar to our culture, you know, mm-hmm. you respect your elders, you respect your- Of course your siblings everyone's mm-hmm. on like auntie or aunt yeah. even if they're not related they call you big sister or big brother and so th- those are some of the reasons why we connected there was a lot of overlap in terms of how you know how respectful we were to our parents and stuff mm-hmm. and so i always felt like oh it feels weird that he you know was the oldest you know everyone like looks to him as like kind of like mini head of the family yeah that I'm like, I, I can't do it, but you know, that that's my own ego. And I have yeah. to realize like, that's like, that's, that's not, what, but I got more pressure from friends and mm. 
Yeah. And th- I also live very far from my family. My family's on the East Coast. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I would have maybe gotten much more. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you um, live closer to them. Str- you know, not even friends, strangers. Strangers like, are like, actually like, what are you the doing? What's happening? <laughs> Coworkers. I- I know. Like I went and I got pizza once and this man saw my wedding man and he was like, mother's wife, I want to, I'm, you know, wishing you, this is not even like Mother's Day. He was just like wishing you love on all of your children and your family. And I'm like, you don't even know me. I'm picking up a pizza. Exactly. You see that I have a wedding band. You just assume that I'm a mother. And I was like, I'm not a mother. And he was like, (laughs) and it was very interesting. Finding a voice. We were talking about career and love. Yes. And so as Black women, a lot of time we are, I wouldn't say we're focused on our career. We do want to achieve things, but we're busy working, trying to build our careers, especially in the entertainment business. It's very hard. Then sometimes you look up, you know, time has gone by. And I think I mentioned to you on our pre-call like when I moved to Atlanta, people were like calling my parents, like, oh, tell them don't move down here. They're never going to get married. They're never going to find a man. And I'm like, I'm not even focused. I'm like, I'm just trying to work and like, you know, build my career. Like I'm not focused Wait, on that. They but said I did. you would not find a man in Atlanta? Yes. yes. In I Atlanta? Moved, I moved here in 2009. Yes. They, they said there's no men in Atlanta. Don't come to Atlanta. Really? Tell, tell your daughters, don't come to Atlanta. And my other sister was already living here. She had a boyfriend and she convinced me to come down. But yeah, I came down and I met my husband within a year of me living here. So <laughs> that speaks to that. But it's like, you know. I feel like LA is a harder market than Atlanta, but well, I could be wrong. Like, I live there. I think the ratio here is like one to 10 or something. It definitely oh. is. It's, it's, it's a big gap. But okay. um, if you want to work or whatever you're pursuing, I think you should go pursue it. You shouldn't just say, I'm not going to move there because I'm not going to find a man. But it's like even dealing with things like that, where I looked around, even in the entertainment industry, and most of the women, black women, were single. Most of them mm-hmm. did not have children. And a lot of them were like past childbearing age. And I'm just like, you know, it was like, do you do like radar for me? Um, but even with you, when you talk about focusing on your career and starting off as an actress and not wanting to have children unless you were married. So, how, how did that come into play as you're working, evolving your career? getting onto mad TV, reaching higher heights. How did you find a balance between work and dating? Or were you just like, no, I'm just going to focus on my career and what I have to do. That's such a great question. I, I did, I had to get over the belief that I could not find someone first. Mm -hmm. I had, because of how strange my, uh, I had to, I had been told I, I can't even tell you by who, but just like the fact that I was pursuing this is a turn off to most men because mm-hmm. you know you're going you're doing doing stand up at night you're doing this you're running around Working you're not around hours. yeah yeah so it's odd hours you're going to be on set what is happening no no man really wants to deal with that they mm-hmm. want you to be you know they don't want to be second to you or something yeah. like that. <laughs> And I was just like, what is happening? And it kind of seeped in. So I just was like, well, I guess, uh, 
you know, not no man is going to like want to do that. And I had had some dating experiences where I felt like I had to make myself small a little mm-hmm. bit or what have you. And then I realized that was just because of those particular men. I just yeah. had to find a partner mm-hmm. that actually supports me. And so yeah. once I saw that that is actually possible and I just had to make better choices on the people I was dating where mm-hmm. I was just like, seeing a person that was comfortable in their own skin and being like, yes. Mm-hmm. And then I was made that a priority to try to, mm-hmm. to what I did with, with my dating was just was more deliberate. Like I would go yeah. on a date and I felt like if this person was the right person, mm-hmm. I was very explicit. Like I'm looking for a life partner, yeah. a husband, mm-hmm. someone who would, I would like to have children with. Mm-hmm. I would say this pretty early. <laughs> and so they, I think I did it like three weeks into like my now husband. Um, and he was like, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want that too. I'm like, it doesn't have to be you. I'm just telling you that's <laughs> where I, I am. Uh, I don't want to waste any time. Let me just put it out there. This Correct. is what I want. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so that, so that, so that's what happened there. But I will also say too, with I'm so glad you met, you went to Atlanta because there's yeah. always so much negativity about like, well, it's going to be hard. This is going to be hard. That's yeah. going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And everything is going to be hard. And then if you always listen to those things, you'll never do anything. Yeah. The good thing is I didn't care. Like I really did not care. I was just like, yeah, well, I'm going in. Like whatever happens, happens. Yes. <laughs> There was something else I wanted to tell say about what you were t- talking about, but I cannot remember it now. But I, yeah, I really appreciated that you pursued your yeah. yours. Yeah, yeah, you have to. And again, I really, really appreciate everything you're doing. I appreciate your show. And yes. as we get ready to close, give us all the details about your show, yes. when it's happening, where it's happening, how people can follow you on IG, all the good things. Okay, thank you so much. My show is called Spadura, S-P-A-D-U-R-A. And I reveal what that means at the end of the show. So yes, it's like a nonsensical word right now. Spadura, and it's it's a comedic journey, but it also really goes into some heavy details about infertility. And I yeah. this is what I forgot I wanted to talk to you about. In the show, I also talk about how racism in America mm-hmm. affects us on a cellular level as black women. Yeah. Cause we were talking about black, so many yeah. black women are alone yeah. without partners. And, you know, I talk about how much fibroids affects our community, mm-hmm. how many women that I know in their forties as black women who's had yeah. to have hysterectomies. So mm-hmm. even though this, this show comedically goes there on this journey, it really is also an education about women's bodies, what black women specifically are feeling. And so, and I just want people to be seen and heard, and I'm going to try to represent as well as I can for us. And so it's December 4th, if you're in Los Angeles, that's a Sunday. It's a matinee at 3 p.m. The theater venue is called Dynasty Typewriter. Again, it's Spadura. My name is DeHaley Hall. (laughs) And um, that's also how you can find me on IG, uh, DeHaley.Hall. And I'm just so thankful to be on the show with you. I love it.
I'm Sinhara, and thank you for listening to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. You can stay connected with this movement on my website, Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please join my mailing list at blackgirlsguidetofertility.com and on sinharaeastman.com. Thank you.